0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Thank you for coming. We are continuing tonight with the Bhagavat Sandarbha, Anucheta 100. Lakshmi is the Lord's eternal consort. The Sarup Shakti, which has unlimited features as described above, is verily personified as Lakshmi, who is situated on the left side of the Lord. Shri Sutta Goswami states, Inseparable from him, the original goddess, Shri appears directly as the opulence of Sri Hari himself. So in the previous section, uh, Shri Jiva Goswami explained the internal energy of Bhagavan and its various manifestations. The personification of his internal energy or Sharup Shakti is called Lakshmi Devi. She always appears on the left side of the Lord, and also, and is also represented by a streak of golden hair called Shrivasta on that side of his chest. Because the Lord's body is complete in itself, all the energies that manifest externally also adhere in it. Just as one embraces one's beloved to one's chest, so Lakshmi has her place on the chest of the Lord above his heart. Uh, Srila Jiva Goswami uh, now uses uh, an explanation for the uh, Praman verse of this Anucheda, which is from the 12th canto. We just read, um, he uses the commentary of Sridhar Swami. So Sridhar Swami comments, "Shri is inseparable, Anapayani, from the Lord. For she is his potency. The reason for her, her inseparability is that she is directly of the Lord himself or in other words, because she is non-different from the Lord's own Swarup due to the conscious nature, Chidrupa, of his Swarup. The word directly, sak sak implies that she is not the external energy Maya, which is described in verses such as, Maya, out of shame, is unable to stand before the Lord. So Lakshmi has two manifestations, as pointed out uh, before. And Shridhar Swami, in his explanation of this verse, makes it clear that the manifestation of Lakshmi that's being referred to in the Praman verse from the uh, 12th canto, inseparable from him, the original goddess, Shri, meaning the original goddess, uh, appears directly as the opulence of Sri Hari himself. So this was covered in the last anucheda, and we'll just proceed along. I'm going to read from the commentary now of Sachin Ryan Das. Shri accompanies the Lord whenever he appears in the material world. Thus she is called Anapayani, inseparable According to the mood and pastimes of Sri Vishnu, Lakshmi takes a corresponding mood. So there'll be different manifestations of Lakshmi according to the manifestation that Vishnu takes. Lakshmi is different from Maya, the external energy, who is too shy to appear before him and shows so serves the Lord at a distance. Then he goes on to say the flower garland Vanamala, on his body, is a representation of maya, the external maya. Since it is external to the Lord, to the Lord's body, and thus indicates her external nature. Then he goes on to say, well, an objection could be raised. If Lakshmi is the surup shakti of Bhagavan, and thus non-different from him, how is it that the Lord is called Lakshmi with the husband of Lakshmi. Because if they're the same, then somebody could raise this objection uh, because this is a, a terminology used for Bhagavan or Vishnu. The husband is different from the wife. One cannot be the husband of one's own self. Sri Jiva Goswami says that there is no actual difference. It is only figurative. Energy is subservient to the energetic source, just as the chaste wife is surrendered to the husband in Vedic culture. It is in this sense that the Lord is called the husband. Now, we'll go back to Sri Jiva Goswami's Anucheta where he's going to give some various evidences regarding this Lakshmi. Lakshmi's inseparability from the Lord is further stated. The Paramatma, Hari, is the Lord and Sri is his energy. The goddess Sri has been described as Prakriti and Lord Keshava as Purusha. She is never without Sri Vishnu and he is never without the lotus-born goddess. Then from the Vishnu Purana, Shri is the eternal mother of the universe, inseparable, Anapayani, from Shri Vishnu. O best of the twice-born, just as Shri Vishnu is all-pervading, so too is Shri. So Lakshmi is as all-pervading as the Personality of Godhead. And, From the Vishnu Purana, another verse, in this way, just as Janardhan, the master of the universe and god of gods, descends into this world, so too does his assistant, Sri. He goes on to quote two more verses. One's from the Skanda Purana, uh, confirming her transcendental nature. Prakriti, which is inert by nature, it is inferior apara, imperishable Aksara reality. It is the inferior imperishable reality. Shri is the transcendental prakriti, which is conscious and sheltered by Shri Vishnu. She is superior imperishable reality. Shri Hari is the embodiment of Of all auspicious qualities, and although he is beyond, even this para-aksara, he is known as the threefold imperishable reality encompassing a para, meaning his external potency, para, his internal energies, which are unlimited, and parata, realities, which is the fact that uh, he is above both para, which is outside of the, the scope of his swarup shakti, para, which is, is is his swarup shakti, he's above both of them. Therefore, Vishnu Purana also states, "May the pure Sri Hari, whose energy Lakshmi is not influenced by the cosmic thread of time, which is divided into kala, kasta." nimesha and so on be pleased with me the lord is pure and only figuratively as he called the husband of lakshmi may that shri vishnu who is the self of all living beings be pleased with me but i mean only figuratively called the husband of i knew that was going to come up let's go to the end of anachayana because jiva goswami does deal with that. Alright, so let's go on. Now Jiva Goswami uses commentary again by Sridhar Swami in regards to this last verse from the Vishnu Purana. Vishnu well actually he says Vishnu Swami has also explained these verses. So that would mean referring to the all of the verses that he's just used as additional Praman regarding the nature of Lakshmi. So, Śwāmi, time, which is divided into Kala, Kasta, Nimesha, and so on, is like the cosmic thread Sutra that govern, governs the functions of the cosmos. But the Lord's potency, Lakshmi, does not fall under its domain, which means that because she is non-different from the sharup of the Lord, she never come, uh, comes under the control of time. Therefore, being non different from him, his pure Swarup, she is said to be the potency of the poor, of the pure. Objection But if Lakshmi is non different from the Swarup of the Lord, why is he referred to as the husband of Lakshmi? Again, same the same item is coming up again being brought up this time by Sridhar Swami. This is answered in the second verse, beginning with the word Prochite. The word para, Parama is a compound made up of Para, Transcendental, and Ma, the goddess of fortune. It is, and it refers to Lakshmi. Her controller, Isha, is Sri Vishnu, Paramishwa. Therefore, he is pure, Sudha meaning one without a second. He is figuratively called the husband of Lakshmi in order to convey distinction. The second pronoun "yat" that which, is used to indicate that this is a well-known fact. Herein Sridhar Swami's comments. With this intention alone, Sri Brahma prayed in the third canto, so that I may not be contaminated by my work even as I create this universe, which is a display of His power, may the Lord who fulfills the wishes of those who take refuge in Him engage my mind in the pastimes He performs, manifesting many virtues while appearing with His personal potency, Rama. Therefore, when it is stated in the description of Lord Nishringadev's appearance that Lakshmi had never seen or heard of such a form, it should be understood to be the result of bewilderment. Lakshmi was personally requested, this is from the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, by the gods to approach the Lord. Seeing that most wondrous form, she dared not go near him, since she had neither seen nor heard of anything like it before. So again an objection could be raised. Well if if Lakshmi never leaves the Lord, what then how could she be how would she be reluctant to go before this form of the Lord? That's gonna be explained. Consequently, the explanation of the anap Anapayani Bhagavati first has been shown to be appropriate. A little bit of discussion of this so the lord has energies those energies just like he is are fully conscious and they can and do take personal forms outside of him or in a, or additionally they're always in him you can't say that the lord's Different potencies as Shaktis are independent of his being, but they can take a personal form as a Shakti outside of him. so in this particular annocheda, Lakshmi is put forth as a comprehensive representative representation of his Swarup Shakti. His very being, the, the potencies that are within him. Uh, now, we have energy, but it cannot exist as a person outside of ourself. But the Lord can have his potencies appear outside of himself as personality, personalities, It's obvious that nothing exists without the, you know, independent of the Supreme Lord or nothing can exist without it being fully dependent upon him. This is where where we can, the way that this can be understood properly, that it's actually, well, this is the potency of the Lord. It's not different from him, but Lakshmi sure seems to be his counterpart independent of his own self. Therefore, when it is said that he is the husband of Lakshmi, it is through the assumption of a difference. The assumption of a difference, it says. When in in reality there's no difference between the Lord and his potency. This is the philosophy of Achinta, Beta, Beta. This is the philosophy that the Lord can manifest forms that are simultaneously himself, but independent or apparently independent of himself. Then Jiva Goswami has also we have to understand the explanation the proper understanding of, well, why did Lakshmi show such a reluctance to go before Lord Nisringadev? What was the reason for that? And that was explained in the commentary of that section of the Bhagavatam by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur as follows. He says that this was arranged by the Leela Shakti of the Lord another shakti of the Lord, so that Lakshmi could taste adbutaras, or the aesthetic experience of the extraordinary. This was wonderful. This was out of this world. I can't look at this form that the Lord's taken. So even the Lord's potencies when when appearing outside of himself have their own personalities and those personalities can exchange loving affairs with the Lord, of course, the topmost representative of that being Radha, Srimati Radharani. In this section of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, we don't hear any mention of Radha Krishna. This is Lakshmi Narayan. These other more intimate details. Jiva will bring out in future Sandharvas the position of Radha and the and the significance of Krishna. So we're just in the beginning and we're in the Bhagavat Sandarbha. What he's dealt with here has mostly been uh, the nature of the Lord himself in general, a general understanding of the Lord as Bhagavan as in accordance with and also an understanding of, again, these beginning Anuchetas primarily deal with the Vedanti, tat-tat-va-vidas, vidas tat, tat yaj, vayam brahmeti, paramatmeti, bhagavan, iti sabjate. They generally deal with uh, an in-depth explanation of this one verse from the Bhagavatam. And we can see, although Brahman, is the same supreme absolute truth without characteristics. Still, it was dealt with pretty extensively in this Bhagavata I mean, it's, it was naturally inferred that Bhagavan is the more complete conception because more information is there as to the Lord's different potencies whereas Brahman is seen as well it can't have anything that would be uh, an Upati. So why did Lakshmi not recognize, had never seen, was in wonder? It was because she was bewildered by another potency of the Lord, Yogamaya. Does that mean Yogamaya is more powerful than <laughs> Lakshmi? No, but she has her specific her specific function, and her function is in relationship to frame. So, in frame, we all become bewildered. So, with that, we will close out the hundredth anucheda. We have two more anuchedas in the Bhagavad Sundarbha. and we will go on and begin the hundred and first anucheda. And now what Srila Jiva Goswami is going to do is he's going to kind of wrap everything up. He does it in a very wonderful way. These Anochetas read very nicely and they've been translated uh, perfectly into English uh, to give us uh, an understanding. Bhagavan can be known only through the Vedas. So we'll read directly from the Anucheta in English, 101st Anucheta. In this way, through the words that convey the experience of realized scholars, it has been clearly stated that Bhagavan has an eternal, conscious and blissful form. He is endowed with inconceivable, wonderful and unlimited energies that that are intrinsic to his nature. Although he is these attributes, he is also in possession of them. While having no divisions, he has various divisions. Though he has no form, he has form. While all-pervading, he is of medium size. He is an ocean of such real, unlimited, mutually opposing attributes. His divine form is distinct from gross and subtle objects self-luminous, indivisible, and is integral to his essential nature. He has one primary divine form, called Bhagavan, having the above characteristics, but manifests unlimited such forms. His left side is adorned by Lakshmi, the manifestation of his personal potency in a form corresponding to his. He exists in his various abodes with a form, dress, ornaments and associates, all of which are particular aspects of his own effulgence. He astonishes even the Atmarama, sages, with his extraordinary attributes, pastimes and so on, all of which are manifestations of his Swarup Shakti. Burman is his Generic manifestation without attributes. He is the sole support in life of the intermediary potency called the jiva, and manifests unlimited universes by his external energy. If we think back about the Sandarvas, we just completed in this one hundred and first anucheda. This isn't the whole anucheda, but at the opening paragraph. He's covered more or less what he presented in the full Anucheta. Now you could, if you wanted to, go back and find each of these statements as a particular Anucheta itself in the Bhagavata Sandarbha, and much more. There's not a hundred statements here, but of the statements that are most prominent here, Those, of course, are covered thoroughly in different Anuchedas within the work. So there's specific processes to acquire different kinds of knowledge. But Bhagavan, or the absolute reality, as pointed out in the earlier Tattva can only be known through revealed scripture. This is because he's beyond the scope of the material senses all other methods of acquiring knowledge depend on the material senses the material senses are meant to perceive material objects now we can even even the other types of knowledge attainment that are available are ultimately dependent on the material senses, with the one exception being Scripture. So Scripture is the co- the the means to the end of understanding the supreme absolute truth. So even if you if you infer something, what's your inference based on? It's based on your experience. And we see that there's a lot of inference given in scripture so that we can at least have some understanding of what's not available to our senses, which is the supreme absolute truth. So comparisons are made to things that we're accustomed to through sense perception. So he's like the sun. And the moon. Uh, so there's a nice example I'd like to share with you. The sun, if you want to perceive the sun, you cannot do that without the sun itself being present. It's self luminous, the sun is. And the sun god, in fact, is in charge of our material sense of sight. So it's be, it's totally because of the sun God that we can even perceive any light. And it's also because of the sun that we experience darkness. So, so just by using that analogy, we can understand this is the nature of the Supreme Lord. He's self-luminous. And he makes his luminosity comes into the universe through scripture. Through his well, what does this, what is actually the scripture? The scripture is his sound vibration. It starts there with 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 his statements of the Shruti. Shruti Smriti puranadi. Plus that verse, you you cannot know the Lord through your sense perception. I can't think of it right now. But so the magnificence of the sun um, is only there because the sun can reveal itself to us. And this offers us some glimpse through inference as to how the Lord can make himself available to us a pur, his words coming not non-human this is the the foundation now of course, when the Lord does make himself available he he has he has certain potencies, so those those energies of his. Which are seen as his very self can elaborate upon and make his presence known to us through those that, like the guru, like the sadhu. And what do we consider? That we consider them as the supreme lord himself. They should be seen as the lord himself. So the Anucheta goes on to explain a little bit more about this. Um, And Jiva says there, those that have awakened discrimination and who are unable, I'm sorry, who have not awakened discrimination and who are unable to recognize the nature of the Lord, which is distinct from matter, cannot entertain the possibility of the Lord's existence. So there requires a little discrimination even to enter into an appreciation of the fact that there is a transcendent supreme personality, supreme absolute truth, um, which is beyond the purview of sense perception. There has to be a bit of discrimination there, is what Jeeva is saying. Which is distinct from matter. The nature of the Lord's distinct from matter. Cannot entertain the possibility of the Lord's existence. This is appropriate for them that have not developed discrimination. But to instill faith in those who wish to know This explanation about the Lord has been tendered. In a single verse, the Shrutis explain that the Lord is imperceptible to the non-discriminating, but can be known exclusively through Vedic knowledge. Then Jiva goes to the 10th canto, 87th chapter, and quotes from the Shrutis. Remember these prayers are spoken before the Lord. Well, he's he's in he's resting, Susupti, from manifesting the material universes, and they wake him up to to that possibility. So alas, this is the verse from the 10th canto. Alas, how can the people of this world, in this world, who take birth and die after creation, know you, the creator, who existed prior to everything and from whom appeared the seer Brahma, followed by both classes of gods, both class of, of gods being the controlling deities of both the microcosm, that's our individual sense perception and within the universe and the macrocosm. Macrocosm being your your predominating deities of the gunas of material nature. Brahma, Shiva and Vishnu. When you withdraw the scriptures into yourself and go to sleep, then nothing else remains whether gross or subtle or any combination of these two, nor is there any flux of time. So is going to give his own commentary on this verse. O my Lord, how can a person in this world who has taken birth and will die in these present times know you who existed prior to everything? who was established before all this. Explaining the reason behind the Lord's being primeval and the recentness of others, the Shrutis point at to the lack of any means for acquiring knowledge about him by saying, from whom appear the seer, followed by both classes of gods. From you alone, the seer Rishi, original Rishi being Brahma, of course, uh, Brahma was born, and both the Adi Atmika and Adi Divika gods come after Brahma. Adi Atmika here should be understood as the gods who preside over the microcosm, or all the functions related to individual embodiment. Therefore, all created beings are of recent appearance. So, we've heard a, a uh, the question raised: How can we know our Father? It's not possible. There's no we have within our own abilities no possibility of knowing who our father is without valid information huh test <laughs> yes but you'd have to be pointed in the right direction and have a counter sample of an individual to test so i think the the explanation that without the mother you cannot know your father still Holds. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, he says, Neither the gods nor the sages know my origin, for in every respect I am the source of the gods and sages. So we can see here at this ending point for the Bhagavad Sandarbha, Jiva is reinforcing the fact that if you if we if you want to understand and know, everything that we presented here regarding Bhagavan has been Presented based from Scripture. All the evidence that I've used is based on Scripture, and I'm going to reinforce it here at the end. This is how I didn't... You cannot know the Supreme without taking shelter of the Scriptures and the Gurus and the Sadhas, Guru shadu Shastra. But where'd the Guru get his knowledge? From a guru, and if you go back to the original guru, it's Brahma. And where did he receive his knowledge? He heard the, the scripture. From who? From the Supreme Personality. So there's nothing within our sensual means of acquiring knowledge which can be of any value if it's not descendant knowledge from the transcendental realm. So Jiva goes on to further reinforce the state that, okay, the living entity is here in the material world, and when you withdraw the scriptures, now what he's talking about withdrawing here is when you withdraw the scriptures, when you wind up the material universe then all the scriptures enter into you. It can also be said all the transcendental sound vibrations. They take shelter of you. And all the material elements also take shelter of your transcendental form. Namely the Vedas, which disclose you, retracting them into Vaikuntha and go to go to sleep, when you withdraw and when you go to sleep. When you withdraw your vision from the material creation, at that time the living beings who sleep in response to your cosmic sleep have no means to acquire knowledge. There's... The scriptures have entered into you the jivas no longer have a means and they're also not conscious at that time. Uh, This is so because at that time the gross elements, like the sky, sat, and subtle elements, like mahat, asat, the body, which is a product of both sat and asat, and their cause, the variety created by the flux of time, do not exist. This being so, at that time, there are surely no senses, life force, and so on. Jiva now explains. This is to be understood as follows. During the period of creation, the living beings do not have the capacity to ascertain the knowledge of Bhagavan, promulgated by the Vedas, for three principal reasons. During the manifested creation, when the Jivas are active, there are still three impediments to their having the capacity to know the nature of the Supreme Lord or Bhagavan. First, because their attention is drawn towards the inferior material creation, we're enamored by everything within material creation to such an extent that there's really no interest outside of that. Secondly, because of the obstruction created by the limiting adjuncts, such as the body, we just have, we don't have perfect senses. Without perfect senses, we can't acquire perfect knowledge. Thirdly, because of impurities of the heart, which arise from the influence of time and karma. On the other hand, although there are not many obstructions between you and the jivas, at the time of total dissolution, I mean, we're pretty close to the Lord then. We're not the external energy where it's, it's wrapped up. So, well, couldn't we know him then? You know, and Jeeva goes on. On the other hand... Although there are not many obstructions between you and the jiva at the time of total dissolution, they do not have the ability to experience knowledge of Bhagavan even then, because of the absence of any means to do so, such as the Vedas, because they're unmanifest at that time. And the living beings are absorbed in the deep sleep of great ignorance." I'm just going to go ahead and we're nearing the near the end of the Sanocheta. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of it. In this regard, the following Shrutis are relevant. You do not know him who created this world. That other is situated within you. So these are just different quotes from various Upanishads. Words along with the mind turn away being unable to reach him. Also what comes to mind is atashri Tashri Krishna, Namadi Namavid, Graham, Indriya. We can't approach the Supreme Lord with these material Indriyas or senses. Who really knows who spoke this knowledge? Who knows how and from whom this creation appeared? The gods were born after the creation. Therefore, who knows him from whom it occurred? So, in the next Anocedha, uh, Jiva will conclude the Bhagavad Sandarbha. It's a long adhikaya, and the the a short title for it could be that Bhagavan can be realized through devotion alone. So we can have knowledge. Jiva has just pointed out we can have knowledge of Bhagavan only through the Veda, and we can have revelation or a realization of that knowledge only through devotion so that in that way that knowledge is available so there are any questions all right we'll stop there all right thank you so much for your association